Hello and welcome to the Marvelous Women Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Henry. I am your other co-host, Matthew. And today we are talking about what we've been watching um, over the past, probably the past few months really. Um, it's been a while since we did like a catching up of what we've been actually watching aside from certain franchises and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think we did one when we first came back. Mm, yeah. Which feels weird now that that was <laughs> many months ago. Yeah, that was... It was summer, maybe, I think we did it, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a weird thing to think about. Um, but yeah, also, to a little, a little plug before we start, uh, we do have an Instagram account where we do daily reviews and weekly podcasts. Um, you can follow us there. Uh, we are doing upcoming, I think at some point, doing uh, Spider-Man, the franchise, like the filmography in review, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So that'll be coming up soon, so I get excited for that. Um, we also have, the, we're doing the exact same thing over on Twitter, at Cinema Marvelous, where daily reviews, weekly podcasts, release on Monday. Um, but yeah, do you want to get started with your first what you've been watching? Oh, we can do, we can do, right. So... There is, there is, there is one main thing that I'm sort of bringing to the party for this episode, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go with that first. <laughs> right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build, build some hype. I'm going to get it all both limbered up and ready. Mm-hmm. Um. So what I'm going to say is, I've started watching a program, I think it was made by Amazon, mm-hmm. called The Expanse. Oh yeah, I've seen the portrait a lot. Yeah, it's. I think it's based on a series of books. Mm-hmm. That's why I've been led to believe by the pre-credits <laughs> <laughs> things. You know, um, it it stars the only sort of real or sort of major recognizable name is Thomas Jane. Oh, the Punisher. Yep, the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> he's done many other things, but to me, he's the Punisher for some reason. <laughs> he was in that that Stephen King stuck in a shop one. <laughs> I think it's the mist, but in bracket, it's stuck in a shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that one. Um, and he, he's sort of, I suppose he's the, he's, he's the one that's got top billing on it. Mm. So it's basically a science fiction program set a couple of hundred years in the future, I think. Mm-hmm. Mars has been colonized, and a load of the asteroids in space have also been colonized. And everything's all tense because Mars hates Earth, Earth hates Mars. Everybody hates the asteroid, or the, the belt, they call them. They call them belters. <laughs> belters. Um, some people were born on, in, the, in the belt but haven't seen Earth, haven't seen Mars. Mm. Uh, the people that were sort of born on Mars or went to Mars, they were promised that they'd be able to terraform it into a place like Earth, but they haven't been able to. Um, and it's sort of got all these tensions and stuff. It's really, com- it's really complex to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found myself having to Google several things <laughs> as it was starting because of an organisation called the OPA and you don't know who the hell they are. Um, if you've seen The Walking Dead, the guy that plays Tyrese in that is in this as well. He has a fairly minor role. Mm-hmm. There might be people you've heard of. Uh, but like I said, Thomas Jane's the main one. One of the first things that stands out is that Thomas Jane char- Thomas Jane's character has a haircut that challenges Hawkeye. <laughs> it is it is really something. Is it a mohawk or is it just really weird? In the in the second season it becomes a full on mohawk. <laughs> right. Um 
in the first season, it's like maybe maybe medium length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe medium length hair, sort of. Maybe from what I remember, sort of maybe your length. Mm-hmm. Um, however, one side is shaved. Just one side. <laughs> yeah, one side. And do you know two fists? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Um, it is. Thomas Jane's performance is pretty great in it, but, but the mm. haircut, it can be distracting. Yeah. Is it because, like... Cause, because because it's only one side that's shaved, you'd be looking at him from one angle thinking, actually, it's not that bad. And then mm. it'll it'll cut to the other side and you think, yeah, yeah, it is that bad. <laughs> it was very much the same with Hawkeye. I remember there are like a few like fish on, like the head on the shots that are quite, oh no, I see what he's going for. But then like you see the back of his head and it's like... <laughs> Oh, that's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but is, is Thomas James' haircut meant to be, like, like this future general haircut? Or is, or is I have no idea. Right. <laughs> because nobody else has that haircut. So it's just him being a bit weird. <laughs> well, I suppose there is the odd person in it um, that, that has some similar haircuts, but it, it's nothing's as, nothing as weird. Mm. <laughs> I don't um, think... Sorry. I always think that when like sci-fi shows, whenever they have to do like a future, like a future city or anything like that, I always imagine it's really fun to be like, what fucking bullshit are we going to come up with in like ten years time to be like the new fashion? Because every ten years, there's something really weird that happens. <laughs> you know, it's always mm. something weird, and I don't, I never liked it. <laughs> it's any of it. Mm. Um. But yeah, there are a few things like that. One thing I do think they have actually got really well is, you know, there's a lot of, you know, moving hands around and pulling up screens kind of thing. Mm. You know, like in, in some of the Marvel films, you have Tony Stark moving around in a mm. like a hologram. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. A lot of, a lot of people waving their hands about and stuff that obviously isn't, isn't there. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that that is actually done remarkably well. Really? Oh. Like sometimes when you have that... It's pretty clear that the actor has no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> They're just pointing and moving things about, whereas it's mainly like Thomas Jane that does sort of moving with the hologram. And it's, it's actually pretty good. Hmm. I did like... catch myself thinking, you know what? Well done. <laughs> you know what? Not a bad job. Is it like a like... Minority Report, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's probably a good comparison, yeah. Yeah. Um... And also, there's a lot because it's a lot. Some of it's like space battle stuff, and and the CGI for the for the space stuff is is also pretty great. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Every now and then, there is a bit of wonky CGI. You it is at the TV. end of the day a TV show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for like ships moving about in space, like they use darkness really well. Mm. However, that does kind of contrast with when they're inside. Mm, yeah. Um, like when they're in spaceships and stuff, it's it looks pretty great. And this this, this is gonna this is gonna move on to something I'm gonna say about another Amazon show. <laughs> but whenever they're on Earth, it just looks a bit dead. Mm, right. It's a bit grey, bluey kind of thing. And then a lot of the time when they're on either one of the uh, asteroid stations, they call them Eros, and I can't remember the other one's called. Mm. Um, they just look a bit. It, it, it just looks like this is like a really cramped set. Mm, Have you, yeah. Did you ever see Altered Carbon? I did, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes when they're in a street 
Mm-hmm. It just felt a bit artificial. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it kind of is because it's meant to be an asteroid. <laughs> but it's kind of distracting. And one of the other things is that I, I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast the um, other Amazon show, The Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you were going to mention it on this episode with your list. Uh, actually, no, I forgot about it. <laughs> well, good. Um, uh, after last week where I kind of stole your thunder with the Spider-Man comparisons, <laughs> I'm cautious. But um, I never really talked about The Boys. Hmm. I, th- I think The Boys is fine. Oh, okay. I'm not a massive fan of it. Mm-hmm. One of my major criticisms of, of it is that it is... It's bad to look at, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think yeah. it just looks... I just... <laughs> I look at it in my mind, I kind of go like, you and McGregor in Birds of Prey. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like... It's one of those weird things where I think it's on purpose at the same time mm. as just not quite doing it right. Like, it has the same... Um, colour grade and kind of lighting is like Man of Steel probably. But I think mm. with Man of Steel you got a director who is incredibly gifted when it comes to like visual storytelling and framing and just blocking. And then when you get like a TV show that's that's not really the main point of interest for the show I would say. It's like being a visually spectacular show and having these things being really well blocked out. Um it can just end up looking a bit dead. <laughs> I, know, I definitely know what you mean. Yeah, I just, it just sort of. I look at it and I'm thinking, could you just just turn the edginess down a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> just just yeah. go to the dial that says edginess. Just just turn it down a little bit. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and I think that I don't think the the color grading is to the same extent on Expanse. I think Expanse is slightly turned down where it's still there. Mm-hmm. It has like a blue bluey um, grey tinge. But I've I've only completed the first season. I'm about a handful of episodes into the second, and there's about five that just released the fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has I haven't really really sort of talked about whether it's good or not. But I would say it's it is worth the watch. I think the first season is really slow, but the fourth episode of the first season is where it really sort of turns it on a little bit. Right. And then the start of season two is is pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's like it, it's really weird how it it goes from season one. I'd say is maybe maybe a seven out of ten, yeah, to a nearly a nine out of ten. Right, season it's two. The second one. Mm. How many seasons are there? I think they've just released the fifth. Oh, okay. There's about thirteen episodes, I think, in each one. Mm-hmm. I think there's yeah. eight in the first, and they've turned it up. The added a few more. Mm. So much so that I think. Because there's a very, there, 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 there is sort of another show that I've, I've watched during lockdown, which one of the seasons has a similar, I'm, I'm not going to call it a problem, it's not a problem, it's the way it's sort of formatted in that the first five episodes feel like a separate season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense, like if you if you put the first five or so episodes at the end, at the start of season two, at the end of season one, you'd have a pretty banging season. <laughs> right. Put it put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd I'd recommend someone if you're into your sci-fi. If you're if you're not a massive sci-fi fan, this probably not someone for you. 
Mm-hmm. But if you like decent world building and stuff like that, then... Yeah, it sounds quite hefty in terms of sci-fi concepts compared to mm. like other shows, which aren't really about that, I guess. Yeah, one of, one of the reasons the first season is probably a little bit slower is that there's a lot of exposition to get through. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those shows that has like a lot of, from the get-go, it has a lot of like techno-babble, sort of just words that apparently mean something. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of phrases, organisations, where it's just going straight over your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is there is another sci-fi show that I'm going to talk about later on, which yeah. I think handles this a million times better. <laughs> right. But it's not set in space, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think I know which one so. you put, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, my, that's my first one, The Expanse. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so do you want to move on to mine? <laughs> Here we go. I'm moving my hands. I cannot wait for this. Right. So, I want to do a little catch-up, because I, I had talked about the show before, uh, a little show, I like the core, Riverdale, uh, <laughs> um, and it is a TV show that is, uh, it exists, um, for one, it definitely does exist. We are on season five, which is incredible, because like, it's not just a show of like 13 episodes that are like hour, an hour long. Neither is it a show that's like 20 episodes that are like half an hour long. It is a five season show in which every episode for 20, 20, 24 episodes is one hour long. It's incredible how much they just spin their wheels and <laughs> just do nothing but do something. <laughs> At the same time as doing nothing, they're doing the, the most things, if that makes sense. Um, it's an incredibly, incredibly amazing show. And I think everyone should watch it, either drunk or with friends, which is hard, like, in this time and era. But if you can, over Skype, whatever, please do it. It's amazing. Um, so, season five. <laughs> Where... So I think, I think one, of the, one, of the, one of the last things that um mentioned was there was something about a rocket. Mm, Some cult yeah. leader escapes in a rocket but doesn't escape. That is, for me, the highlight of the entire the entire show. It mm-hmm. is a scene because there's so many plots that happen at the same time in this show that you can feel the writers thinking, "Oh, we got. I forgot that we kind of got bored with that one plot line. I guess we should probably wrap it up." Um, so what they did was, in one episode, they would just cut back to this one little plot line with one of the main characters, Betty, and her mother, who's an FBI agent out of nowhere. Um, um, they put on. They put on like little army berets and get guns <laughs> and they go to a rooftop and there's this man there and he's like the the head of like this organ farming uh, weird cult thing where like they're just taking organs from people. To this day, I have no idea why. Um, and to this day, no one ever seems to mention this plotline ever again after it's done. Um, but this man, this leader... This this messiah, you could say, is uh, yeah, no, it's, it's Chad Michael Murray as well, isn't it? Who you, <laughs> people may know from various mm. noughties rom-com yeah. things. Yeah, he's all across. Um, he is in a an evil Knievel suit, <laughs> akin to like Toy Story Four of Keanu Reeves. He has that same <laughs> outfit on, <laughs> the exact same outfit on. Um, and he's got his big plan is to get into a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> like, it. and I'm not even like the thing that's funny about it is, of course, Evil Knievel get into a rocket's pretty funny. 
But it's not it's not just a rocket, like an actual rocket. It's like a toy rocket. <laughs> it's like the a kid's version of what they think an adult like space NASA rocket is. It's like it's like got it's got red and blue stripes, it's got like a, a cool little decal thing going on. It's uh it you can like you can get into it like a like a ride at like a at like a shopping mall for kids where like you put like one pencil in and it like starts rocking back and forth. It's that mm-hmm. sort of quality of rocket. Um <laughs> So he gets in that. No, I don't really think it's, he gets in it. He just gets shot in the head. <laughs> like, immediately from the beta character, I think. Um, but that was, like, season three or four, I think. Um, but right now... Doris. But right now, because of COVID, and I have to admit, it's kind of somewhat unfair to judge the show and its first two episodes based on the circumstances of what happened with the world kind of stopping for a bit. Um and because what happened in season four when it was ending was for the first time ever they messed like uh like mixed up like the main the main uh the main characters like relationships because the entire show it's been Jughead and uh, uh and Betty and Archie and Veronica they're they're two like the two couples in the entire show they never don't be a couple um and in season four, at the very end, they pull a big twist where it turns out that they have been, like, making out and all these other things behind each other's backs. Um, it's, it's literally the first time in the entire show they've ever, they've ever had, like, some sort of teenage drama thing going on. So it was very, very weird. And then COVID happened, and they hadn't really finished shooting the last two episodes. So the last two episodes completely ignore this. They, they just completely ignore that the last episode that that ever happened. Um, they do a little fun musical musical episode, <laughs> um, and then they just kind of go, "Well, we'll figure it out next season when we come back, like next year." <laughs> um, so this season started, I think, like the beginning of February. Um, we are like a few episodes in, and so far, we're right into it. Right in the space of like two episodes, mm-hmm. every single character introduced in season four has been killed. Um, and this includes a whole cast of characters who in the fourth season were like the big baddies. Um, they weren't very good characters as any of the characters actually are. <laughs> but they were like, they were big deals and they were killed in one episode. Um, and it was amazing. <laughs> and bear in mind that it killed off the entire season four cast, essentially, at the same time as wrapping up the whole love triangle situation, the love square, I guess, situation. Um, so they were like, in the space of one episode, the tone and the whiplash you get from uh, Veronica and Archie like having a conversation about their relationship ending, and then all of a sudden, another character just dies. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're doing prom dance because they're all leaving to do graduation. Um, it's... It was an incredible roller coaster the first episodes because it was just this show has been stuffed full of things for a long time and this was the height of just being stuffed full of nonsense that just kind of got wrapped up out of nowhere. However, the big thing that happened this season, we did a seven-year time jump. It, uh, um, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it was funny as well. Not only because we did a time jump. Um, also because they didn't have to explain why the actors 
didn't look older or whatever because the actors already look 35 years old already <laughs> so it's amazing how this show is like such a serious deadpan so this is a real this is dark archie comics and then they don't even attempt it's similar to x-men they don't even really attempt to explain why it haven't aged in like a decade's time um it's incredible and i dearly love it um but we start off this seven year later thing <laughs> similar to endgame i guess uh we catch up on where our characters are seven years later and the first thing we see is uh, Saving Private Ryan-esque uh, World War II f- uh, style fight happening on the Riverdale High school <laughs> football yard. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So, so, um, um, so they, so do they have like guns? Yeah, 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 they have guns. Like it's... in full military regalia? Yeah, yeah. Is it perhaps present day? I think it's meant to be present day. Um, it's it's weird because it's somewhat implied, kind of, to be a dream sequence. Um, but at the same time, it's so oddly, like, <laughs> taken seriously. <laughs> um, and it's and the thing is, it starts out with it starts out kind of like a normal football bat, but everyone just has guns and they're wearing World War Two outfits. Um, so like they're charging at each other and it's just really confusing but then out of nowhere they'll start like shooting each other <laughs> whilst like running across football football field um, it's an incredible opening thing and it takes <laughs> I guess some cues from one division and it has like an aspect ratio change uh, for the first time in the show um, it's it, I'm not kidding when I, when I watched it it was I couldn't stop laughing <laughs> because I could never have predicted it at all. Um, and then from this, we go into. Have you played or heard of or know anything about the the, the video game Saints Row Two? Oh, I am familiar with Saints Row Two. I have played that. Good. It is I am interested to see where this is going <laughs> because I'm not exaggerating when I think between seasons. So one of the writers, one of the producers, played the video game Saints Row 2 and then said, how about we just do Saints Row 2, but in Riverdale? Um, because they all, everyone comes back Riverdale after having, you know, Archie's not, uh, Jughead's not doing well in his writing career. He's got a lot of depth. Uh, Betty is an FBI agent. Of course he is. Um, Veronica's like, oh, we'll get, okay, we'll get to Veronica later. Um... Archie's back from the war, and well, your... back from the war. What? What yeah. war? He just went to a war. It was, and in the oh yeah, in the graduation in the graduation episode where they're wrapping up everything in like super speed time. Um, Archie, I think he fails high school because he's too busy fighting bears and you know killing people and having fun with it, you know, as the show does. Um, and he fails high school, and he says he's getting like kept back a year. And he's like, oh, fine, I'll be kept back a year. And then, as all things, out of nowhere, there's just like a a, a, show, like a soldier academy at the front door of the school handing out leaflets. And Archie goes up to them and says, <laughs> says like, can I go to the war? And they go, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then next episode, he's just in the war. 
And what, again, yeah, I know, what war? I'm not really sure. Because this show also has a really weird problem of, I don't know when it's set. It's either 2019, 2020, 2021, or it's 1981. You can never tell. People are playing VHSs. People have, like, old CRTV, like, TVs. People don't really use, like, modern technology. But then every once in a while, someone will get an iPhone out. So it's, like, it's simultaneously a throwback to the 80s and maybe, like, the, the 50s even. And then once every five episodes, someone will just get the iPhone out and call someone and be like, oh, sorry, I was on my Snapchat. <laughs> and it's... I still don't know five seasons in what time period we're in, but <laughs> so yeah, he goes to war <laughs> and he comes back. And similar to Saints Row Two, the beginning of that game is um, you wake up from a coma and you go back to your neighborhood, like your big your city from the first game. And uh-huh. it's, been take, it's been taken over by different gangs, different factions, mm-hmm. and it's all gone to shit. It's all just went downhill, and. Because you're back, you're gonna fi- you're gonna fix it. You're gonna get the gang together and fix it. Um, and it's, it this is one episode that is beat for beat, the opening of Saints Row Two. I am not exaggerating. It's a you you meet someone from the town. Artie gets led around the entire town, and someone says, "Oh, a gang called the Ghoulies took over this neighborhood." Well, uh, a gang called the Ghoulies. <laughs> the, yeah, the Ghoulies. The Ghoulies, and they're pushing this drug. This drug called Jingle Jangle. Oh um, god! Oh god! <laughs> where do they where do they get these names from? I don't know. I really don't know. But the best part, and I was laughing. I was laughing for like half an hour, and I mean, like, I was crying laughing. Um, I thought I was over it, and then I told I told my parents afterwards, and I couldn't stop laughing again for like another half an hour, crying again of pure joy. It was so funny, Archie. And this exposition character who's like explaining the, the town and what happened to it, um, they go to this bus stop. <laughs> they go to this bus stop, and the, the bus stop is like burnt down. Like it's like a spray painted over and it's melted down. And they're like, "Oh, this is the vandalism that's going on in this town." Um, and Archie's reaction killed me. It was so earnest and so sincere, <laughs> and so it the show. Like, the editing of it just brushes over it like, like it was nothing. Um, Archie, in a split second, like a split second shot, just says the words, Oh man, where are people going to sit for the bus? <laughs> 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 where are people going to wait for the bus? And, <laughs> and then the show just moves on. And it's it's hilarious. And I am not doing it justice. His performance in that line... That, oh my god, the seriousness is like it's played dead serious. Oh man, where are people gonna wait for plus? <laughs> <laughs> and they just, they just moved past it and it killed me. It was so sudden, it hit me in the stomach so hard. Um, and then we move on to something that's been going around Twitter for a while now since the episode came out because it's so bewildering to everyone that's not watching the show. And even to me watching the show, I don't know why they did, they did this choice. Um, the character Veronica, Veronica, yeah, Veronica. Um, in between the seven years, she has been working at this like this jewelry pawn shop, um, similar to a little movie that came out very recently called Uncut Gems. Oh no! And it's the beat for beat remake an entire scene 
from Uncut Gems, a movie that came out like last year. Um, and till I have no idea why they did this. Um, Veronica at some points as well says the exact same lines that Alan Sandler says as well. Um, it's the same like frantic camera, Safety Brothers style, um, hyper neon sort of things going on. It's it was one of those things where it's the scene started, and it was instantly I was like, this is familiar, and then I realized like a few, a few seconds in like, oh, this is this is uncut gems, and then I had this moment of just like looking around the room I was in like, why, who, why, 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 and it's amazing because I had that reaction watching the show, and then on Twitter it's been kind of a trending thing of this scene going around, and people that aren't, aren't watching the show are thinking. It's one of life's greatest joys hearing about Riverdale whilst not watching Riverdale because it's so <laughs> bewildering. But here's the thing: as someone who's watching the show, it still doesn't make sense. There's like, there's still no like, there's no reason for it. It does, it doesn't seem, it just, it doesn't come back. This scene that never is a plot line. It never comes back. There's no sort of subplot ado of this whole shop that she owns. Um, it's. Oh god, it it hurt me, but it hurt me in a good way. <laughs> Just in a funny way. Um, also, a little side note because she hasn't really been in the season very much. The character of Cheryl Blossom, who is an amazing character, who just says one liners the entire way through. Um, see, in the seven years time gap, at some point, just started believing that her bloodline is cursed. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. So she just kind of at some point said to herself, look, I'm just going to give up on life and kind of just be a recluse in this little mansion with my grandparent. Um, I'm going to live here forever now. And I, you probably won't be seeing me very much in this season because I will just be... I'm cursed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why they're doing this. I guess we'll see, maybe. Um, I don't trust the show to have a reason for this. <laughs> um, but it is fascinating. However, my last point, because I've been going on for a while now, <laughs> my last point on this and the last thing that's happened so far, and this is generally a moment that made me like go like, yes, this is this is what I want from the show. Um, every single character, the main characters, uh, Archie, Jughead, Veronica, Betty, um, little side characters as well, um, they all come back to Riverdale to make the town better because there's nowhere to sit for the bus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, they, all come back, they all come back to the town. And now, they are they are all going to become Riverdale High teachers. <laughs> so no! Yeah. So oh, they're, no. they're coming back as teachers now, as compared to oh, students. No. And it's one, it's one of those things where there's so many teenage drama shows out there that <laughs> have this thing where it's like the whole thing is the idea that they're set they're set in a, like a really weird town, um, and this kind of this weird subtext all the time with those types of shows where the town is kind of like a void of like darkness and you can you get lost in it and you can't leave and it ruins your life. However, Riverdale, because Riverdale is so over the top, it's kind of like the whole point of the story is. Riverdale will suck your soul out of your body, leave you for dead, and you can never escape. Because these characters have been going on in this season for their entire lives. 
they went away for seven years, had so many different things happen, and yet, no matter what, they can never escape. They're going to be teachers. Uh, well, do, they, do they always come back and say, you know what, let's all be teachers? Yeah, yeah with no like prior credentials, no prior experience, no you know, university courses that are like, you can be a teacher what, now. Archie's been in the army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's in the army. Now, he's a probably, I imagine he's going to be like a PE teacher maybe. I don't know. It's, it's, oh my God. I can't wait to see how they explain. Because it was already a bit weird that they were full-time students that we never saw once do homework. So I cannot wait to see them be full-time teachers and never once see them teach a class. Because <laughs> that's bound to happen. <laughs> um, um, uh, what happened to the current teaching staff? I think it is fucked up because it was because there's nowhere away for the bus. <laughs> you can't get, you can't get a so, bus to the school. <laughs> so uh, presumably up until this point there were teachers in the te- in the school teaching. Yeah. So did they just say you know you know what lads, you're all right. We'll mm. take over now. Oh, what experience have you got? Oh, I failed school and I've been in the army. Sure thing, man. Have a go. Yeah, yeah. And the last we saw of them. Like the last shot we've seen so far was that they're at like a court hearing, like a, like a, a council of the Riverdale Riverdale Council meeting, where they're talking to this character. I don't think I've mentioned before. He's probably the best character in the show. He's called Hiram Lodge, and he is the, the father. Yeah, he's the father of Ronica, and he's like the big bad villain of the entire show, but for no reason. Um, <laughs> He's like this big, muscly man who controls the entire Riverdale uh, Riverdale town. He's incredibly rich. Um, his entire family kind of hates him because he's such a, like, a random prick. Um, but at the same time, because the show is constantly, like... I think I said in my review, like, the show is just flip-flopping for whatever feels, like, feels dramatic for the time. So the amount of times this character has became a good guy and then a bad guy and then a really bad guy and then like a really cool guy is constant. He is, I can never tell you what people think of him at this point in time because I never know what, just what's happening. <laughs> um, and an amazing, amazing thing happens constantly where Archie and Hiram have this back and forth thing where they actually like physically fight each other. Um, they at one point, because this is the entire plot point in season three of, I think season three, where Archie went to prison for a bit, um, and started. Wait, up. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so, so not only are they letting this guy, who failed school, and has no experience other than being in the army, become a teacher. Yeah. They're also letting an ex-convict become a teacher. Yeah. He went to prison whilst he was in school. Um. It's and also when he was in prison, he started he started an underground fight tournament that came to Mortal Kombat, um, in which they fought each other every night and would probably kill each other, I think, as well. And Hiram Lodge would every once in a while come in and just be, like, you know what, I'm gonna fight Archie again. <laughs> um, and this season, oh, there's this one amazing scene. Oh my god, there's so much to talk about this show. <laughs> um, this is one amazing scene that has stuck in my head forever. Um, well, Hiram Lodge goes to this, like, underground bar that the, the main characters like, are kind of running for a bit. Um, and he goes in, and because he's a big, mean, bad guy, he goes in, and he just takes off his shirt, and he has a baseball bat, 
and then he just goes in and just smashes the entire place like to bits. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, he comes in with like he comes in with police officers eyes like behind him, like as in they're like there to see what's going on, like what the claim is with this guy, what and like. It's not like this. It's not really implied that he's paid off at the police officers. It's more like he just called them over to, to, to like make sure this place gets shut down. But he goes in, and then does a whole bunch of vandalism, and then just leaves. And the police just kind of go, "Yeah, you keep this. You keep this. This little bar. You know, don't don't be doing the drink drinks. Don't do that." <laughs> and then they just leave. Um, and every once in a while. It's just hilarious because it was so unexpected in the moment that it's you can kind of believe going forward that at any point in any moment the dad can come in, higher bloods could just come in with no shirt on with a baseball bat and just smash everything to pieces. Um, so, so the police just stood there and watched this guy with no no shirt on. Yeah, yeah. Just, just smash. Well, yeah. but what about the glass? Surely it hit him in the. He's bare torso and he's that he's that manly of a man, you know. He's one of those one of those manly men, you know. Two and a half men, good show. <laughs> he's one I, of have, those. I have to look at him. I have to, I have to actually see this guy now. Yeah, he's got one. Of, he's got one of those like kind of like a. He's so like he's definitely a guy that goes to the gym every day of his life. He's like kind of that like that box face thing. Like he's just like a square face at this point. Um, yeah, it's an incredible character. Let me Google this. <laughs> Hiram Lodge. Riverdale. <laughs> Hiram Lodge. Uh, oh, oh, no. Alright, images. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to... <laughs> One of the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I can only imagine what you're saying. <laughs> it's, just a, it's a middle-aged man, obviously Hiram Lodge, and he's got <laughs> he's got who I think is Archie in a headlock. Yeah. but he's yeah. like a clearly middle-aged man and a kid in like some. Spandex basketball uniform. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's this entire show. It's so wacky and weird, and it's it's full of those things where it's like these these people like are adults now. Like they're adults in their forties that are married, and they are mm-hmm. still getting involved with like their their children's like pay, like inconvenience, murder and mystery things that they're doing by themselves. It's uh it's a good show. <laughs> Was, did he end up in hospital or something? I've got a picture of him in hospital now. He's... Oh, my God, I forgot. This is an amazing part of the show where I think the actor was about to leave the show because he was getting a bit tired of it. And I think at the last minute, he kind of said, you know what, I'll stay on. And so what happened was they had this whole thing where he had some sort of, like, disease. I think I probably, like, some sort of cancer. And then, because the show doesn't really care about explaining what it's doing... Um, at some point, in a little little mini conversation, he just says, "You know what? I've been using some really good meditation recently, and I think the cancer's gone." Um, 
And I think that's how, I think generally, considering it's been like a few episodes since that episode happened, I think that's how they're explaining it now. I think that's just how he survived. I so he, he meditated just, it away? I think, he went, I think he went to the gym. I think he had a little a gym workout. I think he felt good about himself. And I think through the power of gym, <laughs> the cancer just kind of stopped being cancer, I guess. So that's um, that character. <laughs> then did somebody, did somebody shoot him? Probably, yeah. I can't remember, honestly. There's so much in this show happening at all times. <sighs> I'm just... I'm just clicking on articles now, boys. Mm. <laughs> Apparently, who shot Miriam Lodge? Yeah. He was shot in season three, episode ten. I guess, yeah, that makes sense. That was a, that was a season of murders. Just <laughs> uh. <laughs> like Um So, who, who shot him? From Hermione Lodge to Fred Andrews, and even the presumed dead sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a load of pictures of him with his top off, being some sort of yeah. lifeguard. Oh my god, yeah, he was for a bit, yeah. That's a weird memory I had there. Yeah, he was. Oh my lord. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We need to do this every now and then. We have to just catch up on every day. I might even even watch it, you know. Oh, you really really should. But, like, be... I don't know. Like, have a good meal. Have a good drink. (laughs) To really like back up like the the, the either the food coma or the drunkenness, it really it really helps, you know. He's <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> he's looking up things. Yeah, right. I'm gonna have to close that window. <laughs> come back. Right, it's closed. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I think like every, I think every five episodes, I'll do a little recap. <laughs> Please do. We need to have like a special section. Hmm. Yeah, at the end of every episode, we need to have like a ten-minute section of what's on, what's going on in Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, and the show is so dramatic as well. Like, with anything, I mean, the, the cinematography is so like over the top, neon and like moody, like noir lighting. But even like the sound design is so. Every every scene has some sort of like, dun sound effect of like, no matter what happens. No matter if it's like a romantic scene or uh, a drama scene, it's just like the exact same like bomb sort of sound effect. Um, incredible as well when the graduation the graduation episode, there um, Archie's leaving to go to war because he is doing that, um, and the soundtrack is the most over the top like movie trailer music. It's like drum and bass, but like. Inception, like level of like, <laughs> and it's so over the top. It distracts you from the actual like what's happening in the scene. Um, oh my, and it's yeah, the entire show's maximum maximum effort the entire way through. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. You want to be a <laughs> We can do, but I honestly don't know how to top that. Yeah, it's a harsh over the top. Oh. you all right to move on? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go with my big one. Mm. The thing I've been watching a lot recently. 
and it's something I've absolutely fallen in love with. <laughs> right. It is a, a TV show. It ran from 2008 to 2013, mm. and it's called Fringe. Mm. I've mentioned this to you. Yeah, a few days ago. Oh, it's just so good. <laughs> and it's incredible to me that literally I have never seen this talked about anywhere. Yeah, I've only, I've only really heard the name and that's it, really. <laughs> I've, I've never heard any mention of it, any any real talk of it. Mm. And I just... Because the only thing I can, I can assume is that it's sort of... It's kind of maybe overshadowed by the X-Files. Mm. Because you have very similar... It's a very similar sort of structure in that weird happenings and investigating case by case kind of thing mm-hmm. with an overarching plot. I mean, it is very different from X-Files. X-Files is mainly sort of extraterrestrial stuff, whereas Fringe is more weird science shit. Yeah. Um, but it, oh, it's just so damn good. <laughs> it's just so... So it's... Um, so... I don't even know where to start. <laughs> so you have um, FBI agent Olivia Dunham, who basically ends up having to start joining a division of the FBI called Fringe Division, mm-hmm. who investigate like like I said, weird weird stuff like like report reported sightings of some sort of beast or weird beast attacks and. People, people spontaneously combusting and weird murders. <laughs> people with strange abilities. Yeah. Um, and she, in order to, in order to uh, to do this, she needs the help of uh, an old scientist who's been in a mental institution for fourteen years. Mm-hmm. Might even be longer. You know, I think it, it, it might even be longer years, but he's been in like a mental institution for a very long time. And she needs <laughs> right. his son to come and. Come and basically just sign him out, mm-hmm. so that he can work for the FBI. And sort of the three of them work on these weird cases. And they have a lab under Harvard University, and they have like whenever they change, not even when they change location, whenever they go to a location, even if it's something we've seen before, like we've seen the FBI building several times in it. They have like location cards, <laughs> right? But they're like three D location cards, like above <laughs> the city. You're pointing glasses. <laughs> they are incredible. I've never seen anything like it anywhere. It's the most 2008 thing you've ever seen. <laughs> but they are just incredible. Mm. <laughs> Never fails to make me smile. Um, the cast sort of... You've probably never really seen them in, in much before. It's a shame. Mm. The FBI agent, um, Olivia Dunham, is played by an actress called Olivia... Um, no. <laughs> yeah, the character Olivia Dunham, played by an actress called Anna Torv, mm. who, if you've seen Mindhunter, mm, she's right, yeah. one of the main characters in that. She's a, I think she's a psychiatrist or doctor. I've never seen it, so I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, the guy, the son, is played by a guy called Joshua Jackson. Mm. Um, he's in a load of American TV shows. Apparently, he's really popular. However, um, the scientist. <laughs> John Noble, mm-hmm. you might have heard of. He voiced Scarecrow in the Arkham games. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure he. I've heard that he's in Lord of the Rings. 
Um, as who? <laughs> um, right, uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> There's a lot of I people think Lord of the Rings. he's someone's dad. Right. Um, he is Denethor the second. There's a lot of Lord of the Rings names that I don't know. <laughs> um. Oh. Is he an I, elf? Or I, a... I, va- I vaguely remember him. Is he like? From... An, uh, Sorry. Is he an elf or like a dwarf? No, he's some sort of lord or something. Huh. I seem to remember that maybe his daughter's ill or something. Uh, I mean, to me, that, that sounds like Hugo Weaving's daughter <laughs> in the movies. I honestly... Oh, my God. I don't even... I'm pretty sure he's like a, a human person. Right. Um, I've, I've got a picture of... He's got sort of, sort of grey, longish hair. Is he... Um... The guy from Titanic. <laughs> the, guy that, the guy that drives a ship. <laughs> um, let me have a look. Titanic. No. No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, no. I'm, I'm lost then. I've got no idea. Um, he's, oh, he's also, um, he's Billy Butcher's dad in The Boys. Billy the, Oh! Yeah, okay. I think I know who you mean. Yeah. He's in my mind. He's in my mind's eye. I got it. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what his name is. I couldn't tell you, like, anything about him, but I know the, I know the face. <laughs> Good. So well, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the mad scientist. People who may be familiar with the show may not. There's, I think it's vaguely sort of like a, something I've been sent before. It's like him saying, let's make LSD. Because that's one of one of his more iconic lines from the show. Because he sort of he doesn't have some of his memories, yeah, and he sort of has a loose grip on reality. And he's like a like a, a scientist who did like wacky experiments in the in the eighties and nineties and whatever. So he just comes out with the weirdest things, and he has no filter. And that's part of the charm. He's just like a mad. He's basically like an archetypal mad scientist. Right. <laughs> um, so he'll say stuff like randomly, like like a really excited look on his face. Let's make LSD. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, I'd say random things. But it's just, I feel like I haven't done justice. It's a thing written by J.J. Uh, Abrams and the crew that made Lost. Mm. Um, with, in fact, I think it's the exact writing group that made the Star Trek films. Is it... Um... Ortman and like something else, Robert Kurtzman Orchie. and or Orchi Orchi Orsi. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, them too. there's no Lindelof who I know wrote, wrote Lost with them. Yeah. Um, they yeah, also same, wrote. Sorry. They also wrote the Amazing Spider-Man too. Did so, they? They did. Yeah. <laughs> well then. Hence the magic blood, the magic blood subplot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, they they wrote it, and I think this. For me, The Force Awakens will always be the best thing that I think J.J. Abrams has done. Mm, yeah. But for me, this show is, is second place, I think. Mm-hmm. I would say it's one of the best things I've ever done. I've only seen the first season so far. I've started the second season. Um, 
But just so many, so many great things. <laughs> How much is that? Uh, there are four uh, se- four seasons of about twenty episodes, and the fifth one is shorter. Oh, okay. It's about thirteen. And apparently, they changed format for it as well. Like, I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but yeah, I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to bring it up um, because you just you, with these main characters, you have such a great dynamic. Yeah. Like between them, like, obviously you have you have the FBI agent and the son who are around the same age. So from the first episode, you're thinking, I think we know it's going to happen here. Right. <laughs> I think we know where this is going. <laughs> it's sort of hinted at it, but it's not rammed down your throat, if that makes sense. Like, there mm-hmm. is, at the start of the first season, there is a love interest for Olivia right at the start. Yeah. Which is sort of how everything sort of kicks off a bit. So I'm glad that they don't sort of ram any romance in the first season, mm-hmm. which, which is great. But, yeah. Um, also, the character... In the first season, who was um, who has the most American name I've ever seen? <laughs> His name is John Scott. John Scott, damn, that's that's <laughs> that's a manly man name, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. That man drinks um, whiskey on a deer. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's it's an, it's the name of an FBI agent. Mm. <laughs> and and if you ever see if you see a picture of him, if I I, I don't think I'd. If I just send you like a, a lineup of a load of characters in the show, I guarantee you you'll be able to pick out which one John Scott is. <laughs> it has like a chiselled jaw. <laughs> yeah. Is he a higher and large? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. You also have this, this really great sort of dynamic between the father and son, which there's a twist at the end of the first season which just sort of completely changes everything. Mm. And the father-son dynamic is... It's honestly wonderful. It's one of the best aspects of the show. Um, you also, Olivia is one of... I'm hardly in a position of authority to comment or make a comment like this, but she is one of the best female characters I think I've ever seen. Yeah. One of the best written in that she also has like a really balanced in terms of... Like, like the, I don't know how to describe it. There was an interview I saw with the actress and she's with some of the writers and they were talking about it. But there's one scene which is absolutely brilliant in the first season because she has, she has a sister and a niece, mm-hmm. and they come and visit. And for some reason, they let into the FBI building. As they do. Don't yeah. know how that happened, but bring your child to work there. But they're having like they have some sort of meeting, and she she's like coming off like a briefing for one of the cases or whatever, and she's really sort of downbeat because I don't know they're looking for a suspect and they can't find the suspect. I can't remember. And she like she sees her sister and the niece, and she goes over and she sort of smiles and she's really happy. She's like she turns the switch, like she's really happy to see the kid. She engages with a bit of bit of kiddie banter <laughs> right. with, with her niece, and then she goes into a lift and there's the doors of the lift closed. Like her face goes back to completely straight. Hmm. Yeah, and it's one of the best things because she like she's. She's an incredibly written, sort of determined character, but she also, she's not overly, like, she's not completely stereotyped. There's so many layers to it. Yeah. Like, in a lot of things, if you have, like, a strong female character in a position like this, it's automatically sort of, there are stereotypes that are just, just met. There's no thought about it. Mm. But with, with her, it's completely different. Like, you have yeah. multiple aspects of a character. Yeah. Kind of. Brilliant. I mean, sorry. You kind of run the risk sometimes when you try to be a character, the strong character, by making them just like the one 
kind of like the rock character of like just he, they can do whatever they want and it's fine and mm. it won't have any effect about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, it's um great characters. Um, what was I was going to say. Also, because of the length, it has something that I absolutely love in like TV shows of this kind. Mm-hmm. In the at the end, perhaps sometimes maybe my favourite parts of the episodes is when sort of the case has been wrapped up and you have two or three scenes at the end of the episode which is sort of sort of in a way they sort of they deal with like the, the tone or the theme of the episode or whatever but they have just really lovely scenes between the characters where they might they might smile at each other or they might just, just be <laughs> happy together or yeah. they have like a really sweet moment I'm sure like it happens a lot more in shows which has more episodes in the season, like the 20 episodes of this. Mm-hmm. It can happen in other ones, but it's just the scenes at the end are just, just brilliant. Yeah. It's the, 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 the lowdown with the characters. Um, and as well, as, as we sort of, as sort of addressed with the fact that you, you, have, you have these two characters who are a similar age and they're both main characters, and you know where it's leading. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I know which way it's going to swing. <laughs> because I think I've seen a picture or something. They just have such a nice relationship. <laughs> like, <laughs> you've seen a lot of things where you have, they're always bickering, but before they get together, they're always arguing with each other, they're always clashing heads. Mm. And it's sort of like a, well, it seems more like they hate each other. <laughs> right, yeah. But in this, it's sort of, it, it's just nice, because every now and then, like, one of them, uh, it happens with... Um, the, uh, the the son called uh, Peter. Mm-hmm. He'll just like uh, living a bit on a computer or doing a work or whatever, and Peter'll just come in like, here, eat something, and gives her a sandwich. <laughs> and not, nothing, nothing's major made out of it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing major at all. It's not a big thing. She just takes a sandwich, and it's just, it's just nice. I think, oh. Yeah. Nice. I, I, I love that. I love that things in TV shows because I think TV shows, TV shows a lot have like the time to just be like. Do you want to calm down for a bit? <laughs> just have like a little moment here and there, like this around the office. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I really enjoy yeah, that it's, stuff. It's brilliant in, in, in terms of that. Um, there was also very weird things with the episode order and what I'm watching on. Hmm. <clears throat> because there's like, um, basically, I, I've learned that they filmed an episode as part of season one that involves like an exorcism type thing, like a scientific exorcism. <laughs> right. But they, apparently they didn't. They chose not to air it because they didn't know who would offend people. Okay, right. Um, so they aired it because, because I don't know if you're overly familiar with the way the sort of long American TV shows are shown. Is that there's normally like a break in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mid season. Like break. a mid season, yeah, mid season break. Yeah. And for some reason, they decided later on thought it's fine. We can show the episode. <laughs> so they showed it as the first episode back from the break. <laughs> right, okay. However, they must have seemingly forgotten that one character that, that appears within in the first 10 minutes and throughout this episode is actually killed at the start of season two. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if I had watched it in the normal order, it'd have been. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, what? That's, so, yeah. That sounds insane, like, just kind of. Oh, we'll, we'll release that one, yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. General <laughs> and, audiences yes. will be fine with that. <laughs> so yeah, but then it has like a it, it, it decides to throw it in as the final episode of season one on what I was watching. Mm-hmm. 
But that doesn't work either, because the finale of season one ends on a cliffhanger. Oh, right, so it doesn't really address it. <laughs> mm, it's like... it, And also, weird thing to throw in after I've talked about it for so long. Alternate realities. Hmm, okay. <laughs> Parallel universes, that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay, we're doing that then. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, what else can you say? Jared Harris is a villain. Mm. Great stuff. I just saw a picture of looking at it there. And is um, the guy from um, John Wick in it? The... Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Olivia's boss, the head of that sort of fringe division, is Lance Reddick, who is the, yeah. the concierge from John Wick. I think he's amazing, that guy. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> he's so good in this as well. He just sort of, mm. A lot of the time, it's sort of um, something ha- happened. And somebody will say something to him, he'll just sort of slow turn his head. And it's a facial expression of, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also, like, a, a lot, one of the things that happens a lot in it is there's normally some sort of FBI raid going on. Mm-hmm. Um, normally it'll be him arriving with a load of armed people, like heavily armed people. It's just him in his shirt with, a, with like, a, body, a bulletproof vest on. That's it. Right. Everyone else is in full tactical gear with assault rifles. Here's him, shirt, um, <laughs> shirt, bulletproof vest, and handgun. Yeah. But right. in the wide shots of whenever whenever the SWAT team are moving, you can always tell where he is. Not because he's like wearing a blue shoot and a blue blue shirt and a tactical vest. It's because he has the weirdest running motion nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like Run. he's moving at the same speed of everyone else, but yeah. it looks like he's in slow motion. <laughs> right because he's like he's, this big I don't know how tall he is six foot three so he's sort of yeah. you know he's, plodding along yeah yeah he's, he's moving at the same speed as everyone else his legs kind of nick up for the the steps I guess yeah <laughs> like being that tall <laughs> basically yes and yeah so I, mean, I, I would 100% recommend this to everyone I cannot believe it's not talked about more it is a brilliant show yeah and I mean, I'd like to say it's not like I'd be poking a little bit of fun at it, but it's not good in terms of Riverdale good. It's good as in terms of really good TV. I don't think anything is good in Riverdale terms, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's in its own category. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like really great, actually. I think I think the alluring thing for me is the J.J. Abrams and the, that sort of element to it all. <laughs> Because whatever mm. you make, oh, I'm, yeah. always, I'm always into it. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of ultimately sort of led me to it. Um, I'm desperate to see the actors in, in some more stuff, particularly Anatov. Like, I've never seen him anything before. Hmm. So it would be great to see him in something else now. Yeah. Um, another thing, J.J. Abrams has a thing about planes, I think. Planes? Because this is the second J.J. Abrams show which... Which the pilot revolves heavily around a plane. Oh, does it have like a plane crash or something? There's a plane crash later in season. In fact, there's a plane crash later in season one and in season two. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Basically, the pilot starts with like a plane lands at an airport and everyone on the side is dead. Oh, okay. But not like dead, dead, dead as in they've all properly decomposed and it's all gooey and stuff. Yeah. So it's lost, but a bit spooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not on an island. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it is. You never know. Season five. <laughs> Could have completely changed it. It's not yeah. a parallel universe. It's a parallel island. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be great. <laughs> be a good mystery box. Would. Ugh. Oh yeah, mystery box left round centre. Something don't even get resolved. <laughs> well, not yet anyway. I'm pretty sure they will do because it's still, still talked about, but mm. Yeah, that's it. that's my one. Yeah. Um Okay, so I think my next one's gonna be the, the big one for me. Uh mm. I mean, I, I guess Riverdale was the big one, I guess. <laughs> um, but I mean, this one is in the big, actually good one for me, which I have completely fallen in love with. Um, it's a little little TV, this little free season TV show called The Leftovers. Oh yeah. Um, I think, and I I always hesitate with like saying favorite and whatever, but I never had an experience quite like. The Leftovers as a TV show, and I mean that in the senses, in the sense of, once I was done watching it and I was so like happy with how it ended, um, I attempted to like start almost like immediately like the next two days later or something, a different TV show, um, mm-hmm. and this TV show is reviewed very very well. Um, I was either, I was liking it, uh, but it was something about like going from the leftovers to something else that made me just distracted that I wasn't watching the leftovers <laughs> and I couldn't finish the actual show that I started after leftovers. What was the um, one you started? Sorry, what? What was the one you started? Succession, which is a TV show that's like a HBO, like premium TV sort of thing. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And I'm yeah, not a big fan of that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a reviewed well show and it's, I just couldn't, I couldn't like concentrate on it because I was just thinking about leftovers. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, for those I don't know, leftovers is a TV show written and showrun by uh, Damon Lindelof, so connected a bit to Fringe-ish kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think he's a genius. <laughs> um, and this show, the premise, the starting premise at least is. Um, on October 11th, 2014, I think, uh, something like 8 million, I think it's like meant to be 3% of the world's population, suddenly just, just, they just disappear. There's no explanation. It's very much an end game sort of thing of like, people just disappear out of nowhere. Um, but obviously the difference here being it wasn't a big alien purple man. <laughs> it was just, it's just like, it's never really explained. And I want to... I wouldn't say it's a spoiler because even the showrunner and the cast when the show was coming out were saying to audiences, don't expect us to ever answer what happened, like what actually, why it happened. Um, so I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's a spoiler to say that this show will never explain why or just, it never explains why. Um, and the show essentially is, it's, almost built to like destroy you <laughs> as a human being and it's a show i would say at least my interpretation of it it's a show all about kind of control systems and how human beings kind of attempt to like shrink down complex ideas to like being a very simple kind of like a binary morality sort of thing um and we the main character is a guy called uh, kevin who is played by an amazing guy who I will forever love now, <laughs> called Justin Faroe. Um, he 
um, co-wrote or something Iron Man 2 <laughs> at one point. Yeah, that's one of the few yeah. things I know. He's in <laughs> Last Jedi as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's in Last Jedi for like a hot second. And now I know him. And it's really weird that I know him now. Um, and yeah, he's in... This actor will go down as one of my favourites ever of this being insanely funny but like not on purpose <laughs> he has one of those things where he's constantly the character is constantly like in a state of like bewilderment where he at no point has any idea what's really going on and he kind of just goes along with it for the entire the entire show especially like later on in season three level where people believe that he's the next jesus um uh, oh. yeah because this show has from season one and season two, I don't think I've ever seen a show do such a twist on what we think the show is going in. Because season one is set in this very small, um, this very small rural kind of town in America, mm-hmm. uh, where he is the police chief and he is trying to sort some things out and he is breaking down. And the show is, for the first season, 90% just depressing and just really you got you gotta like be ready to have to watch an episode of it you gotta like like you gotta gear up for it um and there's like this cult and they are people who like are constantly smoking and like wear all white and don't speak and the entire their entire purpose is kind of the similar kind of goes with that whole trying to control the uncontrollable and kind of trying to make sense of it uh they think that them being there and kind of hassling people of like just being around is there to like to remind people of like what they lost, so because uh, annoyed people are like kind of like moving forward, because um, like similar to Endgame, this isn't like it happens and then we just follow characters from then on. It kind of like it happens and then it's like a I think it's like a five year time jump, um, and then we just carry on from there. Um, so so they like annoy that everyone's moving on, and we have this police chief who's who uh, every once in a while like sleepwalks. And kills dogs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. The main character sleepwalks and will wake up in the most odd situations that you will never, you never get really explained about until like the last episode, maybe. Um, especially in season two, and where some crazy things happen. Um, and yeah, in the first season, it's very, it's very grounded. It's very like naturalistic. It's very depressing and moody, and. There's this piece of music that I think I put on my on our story once for like one well, the the Instagram challenges, mm-hmm. and I was obsessed with this piece of music for so long, uh, and it's so I don't know it's an I think it's by Max Reacher who I think did the score for the first Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman movie. Um, it's a piano melody that is I think is incredible, and it, no matter what scene it pops up in, it, I just in my back of my mind I, I kind of go. Well, Henry, get ready to cry. <laughs> it's one. Of, it's one of those like sound effects, sound like sounds imprints in my mind now, where that piano melody is like forever, just an amazing thing. But season two, the show looks different for one. It isn't very much a naturalistic looking show anymore. It's a bit more vibrant and a bit more. I don't want to say blue tint, as in like the Sony blue tint, but I want to say like a turquoise kind of sheen. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks different, and then they start introducing. Oh, and then they they move out of the little town into a town called Miracle, which is the only place on Earth which had no one disappear. So everyone's kind of treating this town like it has something special about it. Um, mm-hmm. And move and for the first episode, we had we don't really see our main characters from the first season 
because we are following this, this family's lives in um, this little new town. Uh, it's not until the end of the end of that end of that episode where their next door neighbors move in, and it's the main character in the first season, um, and they move in and they have a little barbecue, and then the daughter of the the main character, like they're not the main character, the the new characters in the first episode of the second season, um, she goes missing, and the entire show is kind of like a missing persons case for the most part, mm-hmm. but and I can't. Ex- I can't explain it any better than to say that our main protagonist at some point because oh you know Arkham Knight <laughs> the yeah. Batman game you know how Joker's in Batman's head the entire game and you can't get rid of him and he's, he's probably in my opinion he's probably the best part of that game yeah. um, Joker's just always around in your mind you can't you can't really fight him because he's not actually there he's mm-hmm. kind of just infecting you um, in the first season is this amazing character who I genuinely believe is one of the best villain characters I've ever seen in my life, um, uh, called Pat, Patty Levin, I think. And the, the actress, um, Anne, Anne Dowd, I think, is incredible. And she dies, she gets suicide at the end of the first season. But in the second season, she's just in the main character's head the entire season, just mm-hmm. following him around and being really, really annoying. Um, and... Because he's, he's like no one else can see, obviously. He's like making our main character do some really weird things in public because he's just talking to no one. Um, and at some point, he tells like he tells like this little kid to fuck off. <laughs> it's so hilarious and like like cringy. Like oh, they don't know that like this woman's in his head and stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. And it's just I don't want to spoil it any further than that because. The last half of season two is so wild and crazy, and you could not predict a thing that happens. Um, uh, I will just say one thing. I will not hint as to why it happens or who it happens to or whatever, but we do go to purgatory for a bit. Um, uh, it is an amazing sequence, and the third season, the, at least the starting premise of that season is um, a chicken... Uh, pecked on a CD and the person who was around this chicken who pecked on the CD believes that this CD contains in it the song that will save the world from an oncoming flood. And then this character hitchhikes to Australia, finally finds the guy that has the song to save the world. But then this guy falls off the roof when he's fixing an antenna and just randomly dies. <laughs> um, which leads to and again, a whole journey into purgatory, and it's <laughs> it's incredible. And I think it's I do generally think that it's my favorite show of all time now. Um, and it's not just and I mean and what I'm saying right now is very much sounds like very wacky in the sign. It's a genuinely short that does some really weird things, but it's it commits to being no matter what it's doing, really depressing and really kind of. That, not downbeat, but generally kind of like, I don't know how to put it. It's simultaneously one of the most funniest shows I've ever seen. And at the same time, the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it works so, so well. And it has that thing where I think Damon, Damon Mindelof, and I had like saw an interview with him about the ending of Lost, which I think is kind of a d- divisive ending, I think it is. Uh, I haven't seen Lost, so I don't really know. Neither have I. I. I think I know how it ends or what's revealed at the end. 
Yeah. But I know it's sort of... It's not anything that I think is accepted, but it's not praised, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's, it's I think it's very like divisive, and I think Lindelof kind of went got a bit scared about that, and kind of from then on his finales have been very, I would say, insanely good. Um, and the leftovers finale is one of the best episodes of anything. This is one of the best one hour of filmed like things ever. <laughs> it's ah, uh, I can't explain it because it relies so much on telling you what happened specifically. But ah, uh, it's just so good, and it turns everything on its head. And it's again similar to how season two just completely changes tone and everything like that. It has like a weird thing where it's just the same show. I mean, it's the same characters, but just feels entirely different. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of connecting things here, and oh god, it's so good. And I think one of the strongest things that Damon Lindelof does is he really withholds information for the longest possible time until it works best to reveal it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't just mean, like, plot things or, like, who's behind the murder or whatever. I just think it's... I think it's also, like, backstory and, like, emotional reasoning. Um, it's always, like, really, really withheld from the audience until... I think one of my favourite episodes of all time is this episode in season one called um, The Garvey's At Their Best which is mm-hmm. a prequel to the show that's just started, <laughs> um, which explains what the people were like before the departure happened and everyone disappeared. And it's mm-hmm. super off-putting and weird because people who are always sad are really, really happy. <laughs> and it's it's, oh, it's just like a whiplash thing. And it, it hits you in the gut because you it's like for the first time in the entire show up to that point, you understand what was actually lost and not just, you're not just in the down the dumps with them. You're kind of like, oh, I get why we're down the dumps and I get, and it really, really works. And it, it paid off really, really well. Um, and then episode 10, because that's episode nine, episode 10, like the finale of season one, mm-hmm. this is a weird thing. You're, you're watching the characters and you're like, you are totally different from what I expected now that I know about you. <laughs> it's so weird. And like, this is one character, especially this, this uh, the daughter character, who is like really mean and off-putting and like horrible to everyone and depressed and just not like really withheld. And then in episode nine, God's at the best. She's like got she's like a goofy, constantly dancing, constantly singing a song. Like she's wearing braces the entire episode, and she's like the most over the top like nerdy happy person in the world. <laughs> and then we cut to episode ten, where she's like our usual character of what we expect from her, and she's like depressed angry teenager who won't leave her room <laughs> and it's it's so odd and yeah it's i recommend it to everyone at all times <laughs> it's amazing it's really it's amazing i can't emphasize enough how good it is yeah it's uh oh yeah and, and uh the the ninth doctor i think christopher eccleston christopher eccleston yeah he's in the show um he is one of the the best characters he has he has a episode every season kind of like a episode every season i think it's episode three usually um and it's all about him and again <laughs> those episodes are one of my favorite oh, there's some of my favorite episodes of all time on tv um just like he's like he plays like this hyper religious man who is trying to prove at least in the first season that um 
the, the departure wasn't like the rapture from the Bible. Um, oh, okay. Which leads him down this weird rabbit hole of like, you're doing good things, but not in the right way. <laughs> um, and in the second season, he gets even more kind of, he's, you can't, you can't really determine if he's actually crazy or not. Um, Cause he's so committed to this idea of like the, like the idea of morality in the Bible and the stories that it's hard to like gauge whether he is just went too far at some point. I don't know. So um, he's like a priest or something. Yeah, he's a priest, yeah. And obviously, like, with the departure happening and everyone believing it being the rapture for the most part, um, there's this general belief that, therefore, God has left them behind and all these sort of things. So, obviously, like, religion kind of goes to the wayside and no one goes to church anymore. And there's this amazing scene where he looks at his church that he can... He was about to say by uh, giving him the money to pay for it, but he got knocked out and then he woke up a week later and he's like a week late so he can't do it <laughs> um and he looks at his church and like it's being taken over by those the cult people and they're like wearing all white and the they're smoking people all the time and they take over the church and again that that music plays on max reacher um and that uh the, the music and him like realizing that he's lost his entire belief system to people who are just stuck in being in like mourning um it's yeah it's so good <laughs> it's just uh it's uh it's like uh, i can't explain it <laughs> i've decided i really just decided this now i can't explain it just watch it and experience it <laughs> commit to it and here's, here's a weird thing if you don't like season one you probably will love season two <laughs> it changes like tone that much but for me it both of them work incredibly well um but yeah I, I recommend it so much. <laughs> and that is that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be top of my list, I think. Yeah. Try and find it somewhere. Yeah, I had to watch it on Amazon. I had to pay for it, I think. <laughs> so I just wanted to watch it. <laughs> That's how dedicated you are to seeing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Do you want to move on to yours? We can do. I sort of, those are the two that I went through are sort of the, the main two that I've been watching. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um... I can't remember if I covered this on... I know, I know I've mentioned it before, but I have watched uh, The Walking Dead in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least everything's come out. I can't remember if I said that on the last time we did this episode, or just I think, I've mentioned I think, it since. I think you're like halfway through at that point, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe I was. I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. But yeah, I, I finished that, and I think that's great. Um... One of the things I wanted to address about it was that um, the general sort of thoughts on it are that season seven and eight are uh, a decline. Oh, okay. I can't see. I significantly sort of aren't as good, which I still enjoyed them, but mm-hmm. they have like a major problem of it's one storyline to split up into two seasons. Right. Okay. Like, like in the in yeah in the in the previous in the previous seasons, you've had like big storylines because it's adapted from a comic. Yeah, yeah. Um, or well, it's sort of I'll get to that in a bit. But um, one of the things is that these major storylines, generally in the early seasons, it revolves around a setting. Mm-hmm. Like uh, well, basically where where they sort of set up camp. Like the first season is sort of defined as. So the first season, but the, the the base camp, 
And then the second season, they're on a farm. The third and the first half of the fourth season, they're in a prison. Mm. Then season four, they're on the on on the road. So season four and five are sort of on the road. Then they reach a place called Alexandria, which they never leave at that point. Right. Which is kind of, I think one of the reasons people start to go off is that because they think it repeats itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, it it generally it generally I'll be honest it does follow the structure of they Rick Rick finds Rick, the main character finds them a base to set up. It mm-hmm. gets overrun. <laughs> they course. move on. He finds them in another place. It goes well. It, everything falls apart. They move on. <laughs> so then they get to Alexandria, where it's sort of everything sort of for the first time in, in sort of the the show. Everything everything stays still for a bit. Yeah. Like the point right in the show now is probably the first time since first arriving at Alexandria, where it's sort of uncertain where they're going to go, where they are. Mm-hmm. But they have. Um, I'm I'm positive you're going to be aware of this, but do you know who Negan is? Yeah, I think so. Is he the the dude, the dude with the bat? Yeah, leather jacket Basically. and stuff. <laughs> what were you aware at the time of the 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 scene or the section where all the characters are on their knees? Yeah, that was a big thing for a while. <laughs> yeah, I was say, I, I never watched it at the time, but I remember thinking it's a, a massive thing where everyone was like, who killed ne- who, who did Negan kill? Mm. Um, I, I, I went in knowing who, he, knowing who he killed. Yeah, I know as well, because it was so popular at the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's almost impossible to not know, because it was yeah. also a big thing in the comics as well. Again, there's something with the comics I'll get to later, but basically, the storyline that he kicks off it's basically a war between Rick's group and Negan's group. Negan leads a group of people called the Saviors, where he's very much like a dictator. He controls everything, and they're like mm. defined class systems. It's actually a pretty, a pretty good concept. Like a lot of this is a good concept. Yeah. And but the way sort of Negan maintains control is that they have hit this core settlement of all his people called the Saviors, where it's basically it's an abandoned factory. Right. With like big barbed wire fences around it and everything like that, but there are loads of other communities around them. Like there's the main characters one called Alexandria, then there's another one which they find called the Hilltop. Mm-hmm. There's another one called Oceanside, I think. And there are there are various sort of settlements. And what they do is they they force them to provide for the saviors. Right. So they they basically come steal. They arrive and they oh the kingdom as well is another one. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me get to the kingdom later. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, you have the saviors basically go to this place. They demand a certain percentage of whatever they produce, mm-hmm. and if they don't, they kill somebody. Which is you know the the, the whole thing with Negan is that they uh, the the group led by Rick they attack one of the saviors outposts. Mm-hmm. And they do that as retaliation. They say, if you don't pay up, basically, we, we, we kill one of you. Right. And so they, that, that that thing happens at the start of season... Another thing which I think people liked is the whole who did Negan kill? It, it, that's the finale of a season. Right. Like, it ends with they're all on their knees and he hits someone on the bat and it's the point of view of the person that he hits. Right. And then as that person's blood sort of drips down the screen, however... And then it goes to black, and that's the end of the season. Oh, okay. So it's like a a year long, 
theory debate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically. And um, so, yeah. And so after that, for a, the thing is, that the whole storyline, this two-season arc, is that they're going to war with these saviours. Mm-hmm. However, I think one of, the, one of the jokes about it that people make is that we're going to war, but we're going to talk about it every three episodes first. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. So... Everything I feel can be sort of condensed into one season here, like they do with a lot of other storylines. Like there's a villain called the Governor, which you might have heard of. Mm, who maybe. is um, Thingy Morrissey? I can't remember his first name. He wears an eye patch. You, you'll see him at some point. Uh, in, yeah, I think I know an eye patch guy in Walking Dead. I think that's my main idea of what he is. Yeah, yeah, well that, that's the Governor. He basically gets stabbed in the eye by Michonne. Okay. <laughs> um. But you that that storyline, his storyline lasts for a season, and then he comes back for an episode in season four. Mm. It's sort of it's all pretty pretty short, but then you have this drastically drawn out thing where Negan's stealing from them, or not stealing from them, demands the produce, whatever. And until Richter finally decides to stand up to them, it's a full half season, <laughs> right? Um, of sort of explaining things and taking it really slowly, which I think. You could generally do without. Yeah. Like, the war technically officially starts at the end of, of Season 7. Mm. Which kind of... it Obviously, it kills the pacing, really. Mm. And it just kills all momentum. So you feel like... like for me, it was okay binging it. Yeah. Because I could like, watch, like, three episodes in, a, in, in one go. Yeah. By the time it would have been like, come on, it's been like four weeks. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> waiting for a week. It's like, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and also something else happens in the eighth season which people didn't like, which I actually do quite like. I think it's one of the best things, one of the best decisions the show makes. Everyone dies. <laughs> Somebody dies. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, and there are, there are some great sort of elements in there, and they're great episodes. Like there's one episode where it's just two characters, the main, basically the main two characters who are who are together. Again, again, one of my favorite relationships of any TV show, I think. Mm. Um, they're just together doing stuff, as in just finding resources, trying to find stuff because they've decided they're finally going to stand up to Negan. It's a classic episode of I like the episode, like I like what happens. Yeah, but. It is one of the episodes where it's basically let's talk about it before we do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I'm going to talk about the kingdom. So, kingdom um, is is ruled by a guy called Ezekiel, who everybody calls the king. Right. And it's explained in one of the episodes' backstories that he used to be a zookeeper. Right. <laughs> and one of his key attributes is that when he first introduced to him. He's sitting in his throne like a theatre. Mm-hmm. And he has a pet tiger. Oh, okay. So he's just like a... There. Just like a... As a little henchman sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, full tiger. Just just sat there. Yeah. Called Shiva. <laughs> Shiva the tiger. Yeah. Um, it's one of the more strangely ambitious decisions, I think, it's of a TV show to introduce a, a character that is a CGI tiger on a TV budget. Yeah, <laughs> I have seen some odd CGI moments in the show from like screenshots, like especially yeah. like like deer. I think at some point, like, like oh, the CGI deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. It didn't look very good. <laughs> it's it's not the best. Um, let's just say when um, 
when Shiva's no longer in the show, when that decision was made, I think this, the, the, the effects department sighed a big sigh of relief. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I've, I've sort of spoken about criticism, like, but one of the main things that I want to say is one of the things that they do in relation to the fact that it's based from comics hmm. is that um, it follows the rough sort of plot lines of the comics, yeah. but every now and then they have like a quite a radical departure. Mm. which works brilliantly for the show. It's one of the best decisions they make because often there are character deaths in the comics which still happen in the TV show, but they happen to a different character. <laughs> right, okay. Like one of the, one of the, one of the there's, one, like there's one death that happens... I, I, again, it's one of the ones I've seen before, but it happens in season four and the governor kills somebody with Michonne's sword. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different character, but it works for the show because different characters take on different plot lines, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it just, it just works really well because it just keeps you guessing, keeps you on your feet. It leads to a certain... Because the character, one of the main characters that's now still in it, called Carol, is one of the original characters. Mm. She, in the comics, she's, she's killed off really early on. Mm-hmm. Yet you have this character who is made into the ninth season who is one of the show's best. <laughs> She's still going. <laughs> and Daryl, who I'm sure you're aware of. Yeah, not him. Crossbow like... Man. Isn't yeah. in the comics at all. Is he not? No. He's, He's like a completely the original most... character. He's like a... I mean, from my perspective, I haven't watched the show, but he's like an iconic person in the show. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, not in, he's not in the comics. That is so surprising. I thought he was like, a comic favourite for sure. I, <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's a few of my thoughts on The Walking Dead. I I mean, from my perspective, I've heard, and I don't think it's a popular opinion. I just don't know where I heard it. I I heard that the third season is really really good, and then I've heard that since then it's been kind of downhill. Apparently, would you agree with that? I'd say that th- there's a major shift in that the first episode six, the first season is six episodes. Mm-hmm. Then the second is thirteen. Mm-hmm. And then sixteen, from there on out. Right. <laughs> and the final season is going to be twenty-four, I think. Right. So I just keep on upping the ante. <laughs> yeah, and um, which doesn't help it. Yeah. But I think it just it it becomes a different show. Right. In that, I I I think the first season is one of the great is a great season. Mm-hmm. It's one of the one of the best ones, but I wouldn't say it's the best. I think. Mainly because it has an iconic pilot episode. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the pilot being very good. <laughs> the pilot is... It is incredible. Hmm. Um, for me, I would say my I think the, my favourite season is season four. Mm-hmm. Which I know is... Apparently that's a controversial one. Oh. <laughs> like people either love it or hate it. Yeah. I know generally the decline sort of People accept the decline sort of happens around four and five, I think. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But it has had like a major resurgence with the last two. The last two seasons are phenomenal. Right. <laughs> Again, helps by time jump. <laughs> time jump? Oh, I love a good like, season time jump, you know? you got to do it eventually. <laughs> mm. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> mm. But yeah. 
that's that's that. I've, I'm conscious that I've sort of monopolised the last sort of section there. I don't know if you have another one that you want to go through. No, I'm fine. <laughs> um, I'll go through uh, quickly. My other one. It's more. This is more of a rewatch. I've seen this before, but I went back to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really hit me hard. It's like, oh yeah, this was really great. <laughs> um, talk a little about the the Watchmen TV show. Um, oh yeah, I, I watched. Yeah. I actually, that's something I could say I watched. <laughs> it's again Damon Damon uh, Lindelof uh, TV show um, written in a run. I guess I'm just doing a Lindelof fan thing here right now. But uh, <laughs> uh, again, the same sort of thing where I think this is one of the best sequels I've ever seen in my life. As in, it's totally not concerned with like doing the Watchmen like best off playlist sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to Leftovers. It withholds information really, really well. Um, yes, we it does. Don't, we, really, like, we don't know what's happening until like the second to last episode, really. Um, and that is one of my favorite episodes of TV of all time. Um, a God Walks Into a Bar is mm. incredible. It's yeah. And I think I think my favorite episodes of this TV show, and it's only a miniseries, only like one season, nine episodes, I think. Um, and my favorite elements of this TV show are when like, there's still like a random uh, one episode where it's, it's, it's about anything that it wants to be about. <laughs> it's kind of just... Um, it it falls really well into the main story, but it also manages to be its own little mini really well told story. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this starting premise in Webster where our main characters swallow these pills called nostalgia, and the entire episode she goes into her grandfather's memories in black and white and like mm. kind of it's for that the is most, an incredible episode. Yeah, it's incredible, and for the most part, it's like if not all of it, but for the most part, it is like a one shot sort of thing. It's all done in one continuous shot, um, and it kind of goes to it goes into the past and kind of explains why uh, a character is the way that he is, and adds a lot of like thematic sort of reasoning and meaning to the idea of in the Watchmen universe, like why people wear masks and why people who wear masks are usually angry or people who wear masks are dangerous because they're being whoever they want to be and don't think of the repercussions. Um, which has always been kind of a theme in Watchmen where they kind of take the idea of what a superhero is, a person who wears a mask or isn't, a vigilante or a Superman kind of figure, and they kind of look at, well, why are they wearing a mask? <laughs> why do they go out at midnight to punch people in the face? Um, and this show is, again, it makes somehow... The original original comic and the the Snyder adaptation even stronger by just being in a, in a, a continuation of it, um, and like I said before, it's not at all concerned of being the Watchmen, but again, it's completely different from the actual comic and the movie. Mm, yeah, it is. it's it's decades later. Like the comic and movie was like set in like twenty uh, nineteen eighty five, I think, or something like that, um, and the. TV shows in 2019, <laughs> so it's been a while, <laughs> and it kind of, without really telling you what's happening, explains really, really well what happened to the world post the events of that story, um, and it really, really smartly uses those characters that are from the original story, um, but like 30 years later, and it really feels natural, and 
a perfect like subversion at the same time um i think my favorite subversive kind of that that makes a lot of sense when i think about it <laughs> kind of thing is Ozymandias and his kind of um situation where mm. the smartest man alive saved the entire the entire world by killing like three million people um and the plan did work and everyone did keep it a secret that, that knew about it, they did keep it a secret but him being the man that he is he is kind of taken over by the fact that he saved the world and no one seems to care because like no one seems to know for sure that the world would have ended and mm. they don't know that it was him that did it so him being kind of a recluse locked up in his little castle kind of getting annoyed at why they still make nuclear weapons and why aren't people adoring me and all those sort of things. Um, and then him making a choice to go to um, this this uh, world kind of made by Manhattan in which the people live to serve and be kind to their master. And if he goes there, he can just be their master and be adored by everyone at all time. And I love the idea that when he goes there, whilst he does like it at first, and he thinks it's a heaven and a paradise, he slowly realizes that like a world without any sort of conflict or adversary is really, really boring for him. <laughs> and he just has to commit to being there for like a good decade of his life. Um, and it's an amazing, again, it sounds like, oh, that's a good idea. But the way this show communicates it withholds where he actually is, what mm-hmm. he's actually doing. Yeah. Who, who are these servant clones that are just helping him and don't really seem to mind that he's a kind of a dick to them? And the fact that you only really know about like why what it is until like again the second to last episode, which is an amazing episode, um, is it really really works. And similar thing with the Silk Spectre character, who goes from kind of being a small voice in the original comic, a kind of like a background player, um, and kind of being kind of being like thrown around a bit between characters. Um, in this TV show, he's very much an active and really a really active character and really kind of dismissal, uh, dis- dismissing off the entire concept of being a vigilante and all these sort of things. And she's really, she's really moved on, but at the same time, not quite. <laughs> and it really, really works. And, and I think having his character, Angela, the main character of the show, played by Reg- Regina King, I think is her name, mm-hmm. um, it was a really, really smart choice, and I think it kind of works in the same way as like Episode Seven of Star Wars, where we're going back to the world that we, that we used to live in, but now with a different lens of someone that wasn't in that original story. Um, and it's, I think the main character is an incredible character, and I think it's, it's. <laughs> I also love the fact that they never really explain that why she has to, why why her costume like a, is like a nun costume. They never really explain it, and I think it works really well when you think about it in terms of like. As you want to believe that every sort of superhero has some sort of reason behind whatever they do, yet sometimes they just want to be really cool and just beat some people up. <laughs> um, and I think that's a really, like a really cool idea. Um, and yeah, it kind of it's just one of the best sequel things ever, and I can't believe they got made in some ways. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I think that that episode of God walked into a bar is for those that don't know, and it's not I guess it's not spot. It's just the premise of it. Um, it's just one dinner conversation, like romantic, uh, at a bar conversation that takes up the entire episode, but interspliced with an entire, like, lifelong love story that happens in mm-hmm. between. 
um, it time it's like a non-linear. It time jumps. It explains the plot of the actual season, like finally at the, the ninth hour. Um, it's actually like really, really emotional. Um, it it concludes incredibly well. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a <laughs> it's a great show. <laughs> um, it would is you incredible. agree? Would yeah. you agree? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that episode you're talking about is brilliant, as is the the black and white episode. Mm, yeah. I just completely agree with everything. One of my actually one of my favourite sort of interactions in it is one of the, one of my favourite aspects of it is well, one of the, how do I describe this? <laughs> in the in the final, I think it's the final episode where um, Laurie's tied. I think it's Laurie. Yeah. Silk Spectre. I think it is Laurie, yeah. Laurie. Yeah, Laurie is, is she's tied to a chair and made to watch the experiment. Oh, yeah. And the, the sort of the big bad uh, goes on about, I think, I think the, the line he says is, it's hard to be a white man in America these days or something like that. He, he does say that, yeah. <laughs> and her response is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like her responses during that entire conversation are A, brilliantly written, but just perfectly delivered. Yeah, she's... And I think that character is a character that really goes into it, but he's a really likeable character. Laurie, I mean, not the racist guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a dick. <laughs> um, I I think actually a weird thing was... Uh, I always thought, and I still feel, that the Zack Snyder movie, I, what I do overall really, really like, I always thought that the Silk Spectre character was always a bit, like, uh, a bit miscast. Um, mm. There was something about that actress and in that role that I just never felt gelled really well. And I always thought she was kind of forcing that performance. I don't know what she's done, what else she's, work she's done. She might be a great actress. I just don't know about that role and that actress being the same thing. Um, so I think it took me aback really when I watched this show and realized, oh, that's the suspect character from the movie, which is my main insight to the comic book before I read mm. it. Um, and I was like, oh, she's totally different. I prefer this version a lot. And I think mm, if this yeah. was the actress in the first one, but obviously younger, I guess, um, would have been great. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where having two examples of the same character just casted, casted different and written different kind of just really works and kind of lets you know, like, oh, that was the misstep there, I guess, in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, yeah, it's just one of those... Kind of, I want to say like it's kind of a miracle this TV show <laughs> that one of the most popular comics ever made, really good comic um, that was said to be both unfilmable and un like unfranchisable into a sequel or, or whatever managed to get a movie that was pretty good and a TV show that is in my opinion like near perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah. Fuck people that can't say that you can't adapt this comic because you can <laughs> really well. <You> can. <laughs> yeah, you can. that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> yeah, I think does that bring us to the end? Yeah, I think so. Oh, we're two hours in, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it's quite a long one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, so, we do need a Riverdale catch up every now and then. Yeah, I think that's God. That is funny. Can this podcast just be Riverdale? <laughs> the Riverdale Cinema Podcast. Let us know if, you, if you'd like that. <laughs> right. Okay. I'll bring okay. us all. Okay, okay. Okay. So yeah. Well, if you enjoy this one, give us a comment or a review, sort of thing. Uh, let us know what you thought. 
Um, and yeah, at, we are doing reviews and weekly podcasts on Instagram at Marvel Cinema Podcast. Um, probably at some point uh, come up to doing Spider-Man filmography review. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and we Swinging are also doing... towards us. <laughs> like a train on the track. <laughs> you can't get away. Um, <laughs> we're doing the exact same thing over on Twitter, at Cinema Marvelous, where we are doing daily reviews and weekly podcasts on Monday. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this one, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.